Hey, everybody, it's Gustavo, the host of the Enabled Disabled podcast. I am really excited to have the Disability Resource Network team with us today. They are a center for independent living in Huntsville, Alabama. They are doing some tremendous work helping people who live with a disability, train them in independent living skills. We're going to talk about assistive technology, accessibility, and mental health. And I am just super excited to have another Center for Independent Living on the show. Welcome. A brief description of myself. I am a middle-aged Latin American male. I have uh, brown hair combed to the front. I'm wearing a dark blue polo shirt, and I am in my living room with some blinds and drapes in the background. So Davina, why don't you get us started? Can you tell us, just describe yourself a little bit and we'll go around to everybody? Absolutely. So I'm a African-American female, black hair, mid-length curls on the end. Um, see, my background is our Disability Resource Network logo is white with uh, orange, blue, and purple tones, middle-aged female, and red lipstick. Perfect. My signature. <laughs> Deshaun, can you go next? Yeah, my name is Deshaun Washington. I'm a peer advocate with Disability Resource Network, and um a young adult male in his 20s, have short black hair, and I also have the Disability Resource Network banner in the back, which is blue, orange, purple, and white. Perfect. Katie Toro with Disability Resource Network. I'm a peer advocate. I'm a white female, middle-aged, with brownish salt and pepper hair with a blue and white flowery blouse and a gold choker with some little white rhinestones on Perfect. and I'm okay. all right awesome so I like I'd like to get started and learn a little bit more about each of you and what you what brought you into disability resource network some of your background why don't we start with Deshaun tell us a little bit about you're obviously you're younger than all you're the young buck here and what got, I know on the website, it says that you did an internship at NASA, but tell us a little bit about what you studied in college and how you got involved with DRN. Okay. Yeah. I went to college, went to the university of Alabama A&M in Huntsville. And I, when I was there, I studied business management and I changed my major to logistics and supply chain and did that, graduated with a degree in that and was looking for a job. And when I was looking for a job, that was during COVID happened. I had no luck finding a job. And I was talking to people and found out that uh, Disability Resource Network had a job opening and luckily just fell in my lap. And Davina had asked me, you know, if I wanted to start part-time, I said yes. And when I started part-time, she uh, asked me again, saying that a full-time position was opening. And I went ahead and took it and I've been there, been here ever since. Since, since what, 2020? Yes, since 2020. Perfect. All right. Davina, what did you, what did you see in Deshaun when you interviewed him that sparked an interest that you wanted to give him the opportunity? Like he did mention it was during the pandemic. So I interviewed all the candidates and it was by Zoom, on Zoom platform. So it was a lot of the things that he said. We were, we're a new center and I knew that it was going to take a certain type of person to have certain 
characteristics and qualities. And I felt that Deshaun had that for a new center that we were trying to establish in the community. A lot of service area that we cover, building from the ground up, is a certain type of person I was looking for. And I felt that he met those standards. One of the things, he seemed like a very positive person. I love the fact that our center here is new. So I felt that by him being young, that he would have a connection with the youth or he could have a, a bring a different perspective, a, a younger perspective to the organization. That was one of the things. He also said a lot of things in his interview that made me know that he was very determined, prompt, on time, and that that he, doing remote work, there's, when you're looking for people, you want people that you don't have to supervise as much because you're working in your home. So you, you need self-directed people. You don't really need people that you have to micromanage a lot and you have to keep tabs on a lot or that that would be a very difficult, this that, that type of setting would be very di difficult to manage. So he, he seemed like he was self-directed, didn't require a lot of just oversight. And I like that determination the transparency, the persistence. When I, I invited him to certain programs and certain events, it was virtual. He was there. And so that that means that he had an interest in the organization. That's what that showed me. And like I said, he was very positive, easy to work with, easy to talk to, um, easy to get along with, and not a, a person that seemed like they, they would kind of challenge leadership. You want a bold person that's going to challenge, but you're not someone that would kind of <laughs> be just a challenging employee. And I, I really had a very great vibe and I saw those things in him. So I, and he answered the questions perfectly. He had the, the background, the experience, and he definitely had the drive. So that's what I saw in Deshaun that made me want to just bring him along. <laughs> There you go. Now you have it in a recording, Deshaun. You know what you point to when you're up for promotion or a new opportunity. You know exactly what to say. Just bring up the recording. Katie, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you into DRN? Sure. I Like we were talking offline, I grew up down in Miami, Florida. I've been disabled my whole life. So I've been around disabilities of all sorts my entire life. I actually started in college as a graphic design major and I changed my major six times before I, I, in the end, I got my associates in law. I thought about going into law for a little while. And then my bachelor's, I got it in behavioral science. So I figured that would give me a round, range of things I could do if, if I decided to, because throughout my um, college career, I did a lot of internships in different areas to see where I would, you know, like to work preferably. And it always led back to working with the disabled people. I've always noticed that, especially within the younger ages and people within my age group are drawn to me because I, I try to lead by example um, and always have. And so I decided in undergrad, when I was almost done with behavioral science, that I really wanted to steer more towards the disability community and being a better um, mentor for those coming up in the generation. So I started my master's in mental health counseling, where in the middle of my master's, I, I got physically sick. So I had to drop out. And I was like, okay, God, this is another turn that you want me to make. So I took a, a long break 
And I actually, during the pandemic, started working at a veterinary emergency hospital as their marketer. So I was going to be helping them with animals, getting them the physical care they need who had physical medical needs. So I was doing that and Davina just called me out of the blue one day and asked me if I was interested in a job. And it was actually, I had it on my mind for months and I, I was pulled because I enjoyed working with the animals and helping the animals, but I, my heart was always in helping others with disabilities see their passion and their desires to um, become independent individuals as they get grow into adulthood because everybody has that mindset of, I want to be like other people. So when she offered me the job, I got really pulled and I had, and I was like, yes, but in the back of my mind, I had to really think about it. What did I want to do? So I worked for both facilities for a little while and decided to leave the veterinary area because it was, there was a lot on me and to stick with independent living because it's always where my heart has been been a hundred percent was helping others. I all knew like as a teenager, I grew up at on the water with Shake a Leg down in Miami, Florida. They teach people with disabilities how to sail. And I was the only instructor who was like there was somebody with visually impairment who wanted to learn. And I was the counselor who was up for the challenge. And I was able to teach this individual how to sell on their own. And I was like, even then I knew in the back of my head, that's what I needed to do in life was to help others see their potential. It's a really powerful story. I'm glad that you joined the team and you're doing what you wanted to do. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And last, but definitely not least, the executive director of DRN, Davina, can you tell us a little bit about what brought you into this space? Absolutely. I was actively seeking employment. I was working for a federally qualified community health center, and it's a nonprofit. We work with underserved and unserved communities, a lot of Medicaid and uninsured patients. But that I, there were signs to let me know that I, I needed to be looking for something else because I was looking for advancement and just needed something that would with, was a better fit for me. So I was actively looking for a job and I ran across the opportunity for, it said a director for Center for Independent Living, North Alabama. And by me managing at least three sites, I knew that I could do the job because it said that it would cover 13 counties. So I'm used to working with large territories or multiple locations and it it just seemed like it was a good fit and something related to work that I was already doing because I I've, I had been in healthcare for about, about 15 years, have an undergraduate degree in healthcare management from UAB, worked at a lot of hospitals and clinics. So I, I, I knew I wanted to stay in healthcare, but just was looking for an opportunity that was home-based here in Huntsville because the job I was working in, our, our home base was in Jackson, Mississippi. And so it, that was a little challenging sometimes for me. And it just ran its course that just was looking to move on from that. And like I said, the, um, so I was looking at nonprofit management, saw this opportunity, interviewed for the job, got a follow-up call back from 
the executive director that was my mentor and they let me know that they wanted to bring me on board and I'm here. It's been two years now, so. Fantastic. Did you have, obviously with healthcare, you're helping a range of people, but was there like in joining DRN, like what have you, is there something that you've learned about working with people, helping people with a disability that maybe took you by surprise or that you didn't realize before you started? No, I, I, I don't think so. No, I've never really worked where the focus, we, I worked in ambulatory services, patient access, clinical management, operations. We use primary care. So we usually worked with just all patients, but this organization is definitely uh, focused on people with disabilities. You know, I've, I've learned more about independent living, more of that approach. I, I didn't have, prior to joining, I really didn't have any um, knowledge about independent living centers for independent living or independent living movement. But working in healthcare, you're going to come across people with disabilities, uh, whether it's chronic illness or mental health or intellectual developmental physical disabilities that is just going to happen. I was used to working with patients, but not necessarily the employees that self-identified as people with disabilities. I would say that's a good answer. So uh, I'm interested to know a little bit more about as we dive into these topics that we wanted to go into. So Deshaun, what is it that you are focused on at DRN? Like you're an advocate, peer advocate, but what is it that you're doing on a daily basis? Are you focused in on a certain aspect of helping the people that come to you guys? Yeah. So I'm a peer advocate. So on a daily basis, I'm always dealing doing information referrals and um, talking to the consumers over the phone and email and getting them the information they need to make their lives easier. And also I'm helping them with housing, life skills, just to get them involved in everyday life. Even though they do have a disability, it won't stop you from doing regular things in life, being able to do stuff on your for yourself, even though you don't have to depend on nobody. So we try to do that, working with them one-on-one and just getting them to be able not to depend on nobody and be able to do things for themselves and get to know other people that's in the same boat that they're in. And that always, you know, helps them to motivate, stay motivated. Do you, does DRN provide that training specifically, or is it both where you're also showing people where they can go to get those additional resources as well? How does it work? A little bit of both. We like, we try to, I, I guess I say that we'll try not to hold their hand, but we give them the information that they can try to do themselves. And we try not to intervene and try to hold their hand the whole time. So we try to get them at least to try themselves and if they do need some help, we will guide them and help them, but we try to get them to try to do it themselves. Okay. So let's say if they're, if they want to move into a home or an apartment, whatever it is, you can help show them, okay, these are based on your condition or your disabilities. These are the places that you can go to, to help get the modifications that you need for the home. These are the, the resources that you have to help 
paid for it, et cetera. Is, that's pretty accurate. Yes. And then also if there's stuff that, you know, we really don't have a handle on, we do know other organizations that will take off, take, take away from, they'll take away what we else told them and they'll know specifically where to house them and stuff like that. So we do work with, you know, other organizations to keep everybody together. Right, great. What is the most, when you're all, this is a question for everybody. When you're dealing with accessibility in the home, what are the most common issues that you're running into that people need to address? I know, especially for like the ones that's in wheelchairs, it would be the doorways, not wide enough and ramps getting on and off the sidewalk or into the apartment itself. Okay. For me, it was the main ones I've got where like they couldn't reach their stove because the knobs were in the back and they needed them in the front being wheelchair bound. And also the cabinets, they only could use their bottom cabinets because they didn't have the accessible cabinets that are lowered some for when you're in a wheelchair. And for me, I, I see a lot of the, in the restrooms, the countertop, not necessarily accessible. Then you have these, these new homes. A lot of time the restrooms, like Deshaun said, the doorways, they're just real small. The Jack and Jill restrooms, the doorways are small. The knobs, the doorknobs, not always accessible. We use more like the lever style instead of the round doorknobs and grab bars and definitely the ramps. I, th I think a lot of people also are, are needing like a rolling shower, right? So there's also that modification. Mm -hmm. Do you have home builders that you work with uh, or renovators that you work with that you can, they, they do good work that you can help connect to the people who need? We, we're actually working with Alabama Department of Mental Health Community Waiver Program where we'll be doing minor home modifications and that We'll, we'll receive referrals from Medicaid for people that are eligible to go in and um, make those modifications in their homes. And we'll have to find a, a contractor that is knowledgeable about or trained or certified in ADA to go into the home and make those, those minor home modifications, whatever the patient, the consumer is requesting. And are the homes in, it's been a while since I've been to the Alabama area are the, I know the homes here in South Florida, because of the flooding, there's a, everything is elevated. So it's not easy to make the homes fully accessible without ramps. I know that there's a lot of design work going on at universities and, and some people like in, out in the West coast, like in Arizona, it's more flat and they don't have to worry about the flooding as much. So it's easier to just do a flat kind of entry where you don't have to show that somebody with a disability lives here because there's a ramp. So it's more, it's more blended into the environment where you don't have to make those modifications. Does Alabama, are the homes raised up more or are you guys, do you guys have flooding issues? It, it, it all depends because we got like certain areas here that floods a lot and some areas that stay dry. So a lot of homes, you do see a lot of um flat homes but also you do have a lot of um like crawl space homes and homes that just depends on the area that you're at okay because here we do get a lot of tornadoes okay so when you have when you do get those tornadoes <clears throat> how do you make the basements accessible 
a lot of times they have these like metal shelters and sometimes they add it on to the back of the house, which sometimes you may have to go outside the house to get to. We hadn't really had any, I guess people get to it from their basements. So I guess we haven't really dealt with that yet. Okay. That seems like an interesting opportunity for some home builders and product developers to come up with a solution for that. Yeah, it would be a idea. Well, Katie, tell us about what you do on a daily basis. I pretty much do the same thing Deshaun does. I just throughout the day try to meet where my consumers are and uh, work around what works for them. And then like he was saying, I give them the resources and don't hold their hand. I'm not a hold hand person, but I will lead and see if they'll do it themselves. And then sometimes I'll give them a little nudge so they can, cause I want them to see they can do it. And if I need to, occasionally I will step in the middle and help out even more, but that rarely ever happens. Cause normally when I give them a little nudge, they actually will do what's suggested. What does that nudge look like? It's more of a, I think you can do this. And I think next time in the office, I'm going to call you back and check on you and see how it's going. And normally they've done it by the time I've called back. Do you, besides the nudge and helping people through it without, like you said, holding their hand too much, where has your background in behavioral science and, and mental health helped you in working with people? Oh gosh, it's helped tremendously because so many people come to us that are at their bottom because they've called so many different places for resources and help things. I can think of one that was on there, just felt, I could feel the just burden on them when I spoke to them. And when I gave them the resource they need, it was for housing. And with is they emailed me to let me know that they got housing. These people wanted to like, just give up. And so it's as somebody with a background, like I have in behavioral science and mental health, I try to keep that encouragement for them and let them know that I'm not going to leave their side, that we're going to get through it together and we're not going to, and it's not over until we get to a solution. And I literally, they see that I live by what I say I'm going to do. That's powerful. It's interesting that you've all mentioned that you want to, you're nudging people and helping them and giving the resources, but you don't want to hold their hands through the process. And yet it sounds like you're giving them an incredible amount of emotional support as well in the background or in the foreground too, because they're seeing somebody who you're not exactly like them, but they're seeing somebody with a disability who's done it. They're seeing somebody who's an example, who's there to help them. That has to give them a lot of encouragement and a lot of support and at least some, some belief in themselves that they can. Yeah. Cause we, we just try to get them ready for the real world, because even though you do have a disability, you do have some people in the real world when. You, you know, try to ask people for help. Sometimes they don't want to help you. So then for you being disabled, stuck between I'm trying to get into this building. I'm trying to find somebody to ask somebody for help. They don't want to help me. So, you know, what I'm going to do now. So we try to at least get them to, when they do be in that situation in the real world, they're like, oh, oh, I can, I can do it myself. I can find a way to get in. I don't have to, you know, depend on or wait somebody to let me in. I can figure out a way to do it myself. 
Davina, as the director, I'm curious to know, you're obviously managing things on a different level, but how do you see your role as a leader of the Disability Resource Network? Oh, wow. So my, my role, I, I think I have a lot of, it's a definitely a big responsibility, but it, it's nothing that I'm not prepared for or that I haven't uh, been trained for. However, you do have certain challenges that other organizations may not face by being a, a nonprofit. It's a lot of, a lot of grant, seek after those grants and be competitive and provide, be a visionary, be ready to be an advocate and someone that's going to make a change in the community. So that's how I see my role as an executive director to empower the disability community and to bring it to the forefront, to highlight and spotlight people with disabilities, centers for independent living, to have an inclusive, diverse, and equal community that that involves everyone you know we want to we want to integrate with all communities and not just be isolated or segregated from from other uh, communities or not be a part of society but to let everybody know that centers for independent living people with disabilities independent living it has a place and it has a role in society and it's a part of our culture and it needs to be spotlighted and highlighted and it needs that same attention as a people without disabilities. I think it's uh we spent some time offline. I was born with several physical disabilities, so it's been part of me for my whole life. And I've always identified with so many of the movements, whether it's women's rights, civil rights, etc. But what I hope happens as we move forward is that the conversation can shift to also include disability because we're not hearing enough about that in the media. We're not hearing enough about that pretty much anywhere. And we, as a community, we cover all genders, all races, you know, all nationalities. We're a part of that whole, we're a part of humanity and we have so much to offer, so much to contribute, so much to give back. I would really like, I hope that more people's hearts and minds can change and they can see that spotlighted and bring it to the forefront. Absolutely. When you, when we're talking about assistive technology, what is it that you're seeing as what are the most useful assistive technologies that you're working with? And this is again, a question for everybody. And what do you think still needs to be developed or made into a product that can really help people? Deshaun, you want to go first? Well, I say, uh, say things to take notes. When I was in school, I had help from the voc rehab and I had laptop that I brought to class, but I had a, they got me with a app. I can't remember what the name was, but it, you just had a microphone. You just hook up to the USB part of the um, computer and you just hit record. So whenever the professor was uh, teaching, it would automatically record it and take notes. So that way, when you're done it at home, you can go back to the recording and listen to the notes. You wouldn't miss anything. Cause I know there's a lot of people that I know I did, uh, heard that because of their disability, they couldn't write notes fast enough and like pen and paper. So they couldn't get the information that they need down quick enough. 
So this was a good thing that Rope Rehab was doing at the time that helped me. Get through school. Do, do you still use it now to take to when you're like in a meeting to take notes? I still have it on my computer. Okay. And and it's compatible with iPad and iPhone. So you Perfect. can use, use it everywhere you go. What about you, Katie? Right now, um, I, like I'm working with somebody who's um, got a device that speaks for them. So I'm learning how to use the different devices that are technology that's out there for different people. Because some of it's actually new to me too. Old school technology where when our note taking was, we had to go buy our tape recorder and put it on our desk and let the professor, <laughs> hopefully the professor like picked it up. Their voices picked up on my uh, tape. So a lot of the technology is newer for me. So it's been a learning experience and I'm all about learning and reading about different things. So I've enjoyed it. I, I, there's ones that I didn't even know were out there. There's different things to help people learn how to brush their hair or and dress themselves. I'm just, this is blowing my mind, the different things that are out there now. So it's been a learning experience for me. So that, that's how it is for me because it's all new. <laughs> so maybe, maybe let me ask the question in a different way, but I want to let Davina can answer first. What, is there any assistive technology that you found is helping a lot of people? Yeah, actually, I've met with a couple of organizations that they're trying to work with our center. And, and some things I've spoke to them about is making our office space. I know we're working remotely, but at some point we're going to be back in office. So making our office space uh, more accessible for people with disabilities since we do have staff members board members and our consumers have disabilities. So we want to be accommodating for them as well as assistive technology in the home, anything for preparing foods to certain I don't, monitors or communication devices, anything, any of those have been helpful. So that especially when you're talking about someone that's living on their own, so they can have those features in case they need to contact someone. And I think we talked about with the phone, there are certain, on the telephone, there are certain assistive technologies, like for people that are deaf or legally blind that they can use this. Yeah, there's, and then hopefully there's much more technology to come. That's when it's looking. So yeah, that, I'm going to reframe that second question to say for every, so Deshaun, if there was one technology that you could bring to life tomorrow that would help you in your day to day, what would that be? I'll probably say something that can help me put your shoes on. So some, okay. something like that, because I know a lot of people that's in wheelchairs and stuff, I know a lot of times that is like the real, when you try and do it yourself is, you know, difficult to get shoes on. Okay. That's a good answer. So it's something that, would it be something like either something robotic or something that could extend your reach that would help you get the shoe on or either or? Say something robotic. Okay. So, so you wouldn't really have to get your hands dirty. Okay. What about you, Katie? I was just thinking my hardest thing is like getting my, um, groceries by myself, something to connect to my wheelchair where not only for grocery shopping, but like when I get home to get my groceries in my house, because I've noticed that's my thing is getting my groceries and getting them in my house and all. And then a way to get my cats with their carriers to the vet and home because it's a workout <laughs> right now. So better technology of something to 
connect to our will to be able to connect to our wheelchairs to help us when we're needing to carry that extra luggage. See, this is that sparking ideas. That should definitely be something that's out there. There's a lot of wheelchair users in the world that would benefit. Sabina, is there something that you can answer there? Is there something that you think and what would make your life easier technology-wise that you would love to have? Anything that help organize life. Try life can be overwhelming, especially when you're active and you're busy. So anything to help me keep organized. Calendars are okay. I have a calendar on my phone, calendar on computer. But it's just it's sometimes it's just difficult when you're busy, um, you're active, and just trying to keep everything together. So anything that would help that would be assistive technology. I like the robotic. I actually have. I guess it's a robot that does the, the cleaning. You get them from Amazon that does the, what is it, like vacuuming and it's sweeping. It's vacuuming has gotten a little bit advanced. You just press the button and it just does its work. Like back in the day, you have to push the vacuum around, but I can actually be working on something and then my house is being cleaned at the same time. So um, that's something that I'm using, but could, would love um, something to do the laundry dishes as well i know that there's a mechanism i'll introduce you you all to the company they're out in san diego called uplift where they basically came out with this really easy to use mechanism that helps people uh transfer from their wheelchair to their beds and then from their beds to their wheelchairs and they can it's super easy to use it's not it doesn't have electrical parts so it's super reliable and safe that that's another thing that I hear a lot where people to get that independence of, I don't need somebody to come in and help lift or move me from point A to point B would also be huge for a lot of people. Yeah. Let's, we touched a little bit about, Davina, you mentioned that you're looking for a positive energy and Katie, you've said that encouragement, that nudge that you give people the support. Can we talk a little bit about what are some of the biggest issues that you're seeing around mental health and how are you helping people through that? What resources are available for, to give people more assistance with getting their lives to a better place? Let's start with Katie. I mostly, they're discouraged when they come to me is I'll just try to keep my cheery personality, but also let them know that I too am disabled. Since we're working virtually, they can't see that right now. And just when they start to get negative, try to give them solutions and something positive within their life while I'm giving them the resources and just be that extra encourager for as long as they need or as much as, and I don't know, I just, and if it's something that I feel that needs to be, that's beyond my being a peer advocate, I'll refer them to their, to get the help that they need with counseling if they need that further than what I can give them. Pretty much my job as a peer advocate is to be their peer support. So that's what I try to do is when I come into the office, I put myself to the side and it's all about them. That's the right way to do it, but easier said than done. How about you, Deshaun? I try to tell them the same thing that Katie said. A lot of times I have to remind them that I got disability myself that I'm also in a wheelchair. So I try to at least talk to them and get them at least to do one thing in their life that keeps them happy. 
till we can figure out a solution to get them through, but to keeping them down. So I always try to get them at least do one thing that keeps you going, like either playing video games, do that to get your mind off of things. And then when we can figure out solution or therapy to help be able to get the help they need. Was there anything that you're both, all of you are positive, cheerful, like I can feel a great energy, even though we're far away from each other in a virtual Zoom meeting, but I can feel that positivity and that drive and that spark. Is there something that helped you in your journey so far that maybe you were feeling down at some point that lifted you back up that you could share? Let's say time and patience, because the person I am today, I always, I wasn't like this. When I first found out I had um, muscular dystrophy, when I first, you know, got diagnosed and when I first got in the wheelchair, it, it hit me pretty hard. Always quiet, didn't want to talk. And when I did talk, I always get frustrated and angry. And I just knew that, you know, if I stayed like that, it wasn't going to be beneficial, beneficial for me. So I had to just go ahead and suck it up and just live life to the fullest. And ever since I did that, um, it's been taken day by day. Answer. Thank you. Katie? For me, I've been for mostly always been more of an introvert. So I've internalized a lot of my frustrations and, and working here helped me become a more positive person and realize that I'm not the only one with who struggles. And it's when I have a struggle, I remember now that mine could be so much worse. And so it really, it reversed my mindset of that is it just me? No, it's I, everybody within the disabilities community is struggling in somewhere in their life, some more than others. Even when I have a bad day today, like just my consumers don't know how much it means. When I get that email that says thank you and tells me some great news that's happening in their life or calls my office and tells me something great that's happened for them. And so this job is really turn my mindset around that we all can do this if we do it together. There's such a great power to being, to being heard, to being seen, to being appreciated that, uh, a lot of us don't get to experience for very, re for various reasons, but it's great to see that coming together and that community building. This is the first time I received this kind of great feedback and feeling like I'm hearing people it is through this podcast. It's given me so many amazing connections. I get to meet amazing people and I get to hear from people that say, write in, this is, this was a great show. I really appreciate this. I appreciate the work that you do. And that makes you feel, it makes your day. It makes your week. It makes it so much more worthwhile. So like you said, to keep going. Davina, I would imagine that you are thrilled and excited and so happy to be working with a team like this that is committed to helping people and you seeing the the fruits of that labor of the organization must be incredibly rewarding absolutely absolutely couldn't be more proud <laughs> very proud in terms of the your cil what is like next on the agenda what are the other big milestones that you're all aiming for to help more people we're working on housing that's something 
that's a, a big crisis, not just in our area, but just worldwide. The housing crisis, affordable and accessible housing. We just entered into an agreement with a new development that's projected to come to Huntsville in 2023, where we'll be the referral agency for the, the property. And four to six of those units are set aside for people with disabilities. So we will be referring our consumers to, to those units to um, try to help get them into a, a safe place in an affordable, accessible place. And we're also working with the city of Huntsville, the Huntsville Housing Authority. They have received some emergency housing vouchers. We'll be the referral agency also in searching for affordable housing that will accept the vouchers for people with disabilities and, and homeless people so that they will have a place to stay. So that's something that's very big for us to be participating in and that we very grateful to be a part of, to assist with this crisis that, that we're experiencing. It's huge. Oh, that's congratulations. That's, that's awesome. That's a fantastic, you're all doing fantastic work. If there is something that you, again, this open up the question for everybody, but if, if there is something that you could talk to somebody who is non-disabled, who isn't aware, or who hasn't experienced, hasn't hired anybody with a disability, hasn't really interacted with anybody with a disability, what would you like to tell them? What do you wish that they knew about us that could benefit their lives or change their perspective? We're very hard workers. We like to get stuff done. I use the saying a lot for us is out of sight, out of mind, because society has brought for the disabled community, because there's not much out there is out of sight, out of mind. They're at home all the time, so they're stuck. And I just want society to, as somebody who works in independent living, now that I understand the what independent living is, to be able to see them to see that we're just like them. We just have some things that we need help with, just like they do. We're no different. We're all breathing beans. Yeah, I would say just if you focus more on people's skill set and their competency, then you're going to get a good employee. Just if you're committed to training someone, I, I don't think that a disability should be a determinant in whether you're going to hire them or not. If they're qualified, if they're capable of performing the job and they're competent, then they should have the same opportunities as someone that's, that's non-disabled, especially if it's some, someone that, that knows how to do the job and can do the job. That should be your focus. It shouldn't matter if they have a disability or not. And if they need to be educated or trained on accommodations, reasonable accommodations for people with disabilities. We're here. There's so many resources, but whether someone has a disability or not, that shouldn't be the, the determinant or the qualifier for them to have the job or not. Really need to focus on their skill set, if they're competent, and, and if they know how to do the job. And if they meet those qualifications, if they're qualified, then they should be given the same opportunity. We're all capable of doing the work. Just You know, for me, because for a little while before I got sick, while I was in grad school, I did try to find, job, find a job. And if we have the education behind us, just because you see a wheelchair, still gives the opportunity. Because if we were able to get that degree, that means we're able to do the job. 
And if we're still able to show up and we're having a bad day, to show that if you're having a bad day, you can show up. We have to put that aside, all the stuff that we have to do to get ourselves ready and we still show up, then should look at it that way. Yep. There's a resilience and there's a determination and there's a, there's a power that we have that some people don't, but we do when we want something and it should be taken note of. I agree. Yep. It's a little bit, hopefully this changes, but there's also the other side of it is we shouldn't, we shouldn't have to do all of that extra. We shouldn't have to constantly be proving ourselves. We should just be given the opportunity because we're human beings, but at the same time, like Deshaun said, the real world is the real world right now. And we have to deal with that and adapt as well. Is there anything that I have missed in this talk that any of you feel is important to talk about, to mention, to, to dive into? You covered a lot of stuff that yeah. we do and a lot of information that we gave. Okay, perfect. So how can people connect with you all and, and work together? How can they find you? How can they reach out? Check out our website at dren256.org and have our numbers, our office numbers on there and leave message and, and email us. Okay. Yeah, or fill out an application online. Are you on Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, any other social media platform? We're on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook is Disability Resource Network. Instagram is at DRNAL256. We're visible. We're out in the community. You can even Google, you can even Google Disability Huntsville and we're going to be the first ones to pop up. I hope that we, I'm really thankful we connected. Davina, you reached out to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope to have you all back on the show again as you're progressing. It'd be interesting to see what happens when you have your office space again and you're meeting in person and you're getting to see people post-pandemic. So I would love to have you back on the show and stay in touch, but thank you all so much for the generosity, for the time and for the fantastic conversation. Thank you. We're pleasure to be here. We're, we're happy that you have a platform like this and we're just glad to be a part of anything that's progressive and positive and, and moving forward and providing change. That's what we're here for. Fantastic. All right. Have a great night. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.